0: This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. We started in a series a few a few days ago last Sunday. And uh, this is, to be honest with you, probably the most serious one of the messages and uh, by god 's providence, it does happen to fall on mother 's day and so <laughs> uh, such a beautiful thing to be able to be here and and to to share with you this series is uh, about baggage that 's what we we 've entitled it and and last week, we spent some time uh, thinking about the fact that most of us have have carried on baggage uh, I, I shared with you a story of of watching a, a, a lady try to cram a bag that was way too big into a space that was way too small because she didn't want to go through the process of checking that bag. And and see, that's what happens in life when we have baggage, when we have things that happen to us. If we're not willing to check that baggage, we will inevitably carry it on and it's going to become something in life that becomes uh, burdensome and, and difficult. And we believe that Jesus has called us into a life of, of freedom. And that freedom is is the ability to walk free of that baggage. To walk free of that thing that has weighed us down. That thing that has been a part of the journey that does not need To be a part of the journey. Now. The truth is. Is that. Pain is going to be a part of life. So we're just going to have a little fun for a moment. And see what happened out there. How many of you have ever experienced a broken bone? Raise your hand. Broken bones. Raise your hand. That's a lot of y'all. I have broken both of my feet. On on the same the same exact fracture on each side, isn't that absurd? And you wanna know where it came from? Y'all gonna laugh at me running in flip flops. <laughs> Both times, you think a guy would learn, right? I have a I literally have a a, a four inch screw in my left foot. If it rains, that joke hurts. All right. It is, and, and and all because I decided to form run from football with flip-flops on. You do not plant and cut when you are wearing flip-flops, all right, because I'm going to put all my weight up against that side and both times broke a bone. How many of y'all in here have had more than 30 stitches at one time? More than 30 stitches at one time? Anybody? I see a couple hands going up. A few of you. Those are stories we want to hear at some time just so... You know, at some point, all right, here we're going to get, we're going to have a little bit more fun. Anybody ever had a knife wound? Knife wound, anybody? I see. <laughs> wow. Those are stories that at some point, would you just write those down? Email me. Love to hear the background of those. And everybody is kind of inching away from them. They're like, ooh, I don't know what happened about that it ain't right there. Uh, ooh, I can get away from that. Um, all right, let's take it up a notch. Gun wounds. Anybody been shot? Anybody been shot before? <laughs> Y'all remember back when we were kids, had those red rubber BB, BB guns, you know what I'm talking about? They put like 8,000 BBs in them, and, and then you could, could shoot people, right? You're not supposed to. Your parents didn't know you were going to do it, but we'd go out back and shoot each other with them things. That's about as far as, as close to getting shot as I've ever been. I've, I've had a couple of friends who've been shot. That's a very difficult thing to walk through. Not like getting shot with a BB gun. Anybody in here wounded in military service? Anybody in here? See, those of us that have experienced physical pain know that physical pain, eventually with the right treatment, it'll, it'll heal. It's going to come to a point where that physical pain is going to heal. I have yet to really spend a lot of time sharing my story. But when I was 12 years old, I was burned in a gasoline explosion. I spent the first half of my sixth grade year at home. By God's grace, uh, those wounds have healed. But there are Scars that remain. But there's nothing that comes close to the wound that's afflicted to a heart. Because when a heart is wounded, if left untreated, the wound doesn't get any better. It seems to get deeper. And so today... That's where we're going to step into it. There's a great story told of St. Patrick. St. Patrick was baptizing then King Agninius. And as the story is told, Patrick mistakenly took his staff during the baptism ceremony and stabbed the king's foot. So all throughout the ceremony, the king is standing very stoic and being very calm. And towards the end of the ceremony, Patrick looks down and sees that he has stabbed the foot of the king and there's blood everywhere. After the ceremony, St. Patrick goes up to the king. King, I graciously apologize. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. Why didn't you say something to me? I wouldn't have leaned on my staff the entire time during the ceremony. And the king responded, I thought that was a part of the ceremony. <laughs> I thought that was a part of it. And for many of us, it's unfortunate, but we, we have associated the pain that has been inflicted to us, the wounds that are inflicted on our heart as being a part of the journey that God never meant to be a part of the journey. You see, pain is going to be a part of the journey, but baggage comes from untreated pain. Last week we talked about that, that if we're not willing to address pain as it is presented in our lives, it will become baggage that we carry on. And emotional baggage is the result of a wounded heart that is left untreated. Emotional baggage is the result of a wounded heart that is left untreated. To begin the story today i 'm going to visit a a story that 's in the Bible that most of us in this room have never heard before now i have I have read this uh, a bunch over the years and and I have visited it but but i don 't think i 've ever seen what God showed me as we were studying and preparing for this message. It's a a little passage that comes uh, right towards the end of Genesis 11. And it is, to some degrees, about a figure that most of us know. Most of us know about Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation, right? This guy who is, as Scripture references, leaves one place, goes to a land that God has called him to. And in that land, God does something amazing. We're, we're most of us, pretty familiar with the story of Abraham. But today we're going to look at his father. His father, Terah in Genesis 11. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn there. If you have your smartphones, whatever you got, let's look there. Verse 27 out of Genesis 11. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Now that is a very quick two verses, but there is a lot that is hidden in there for us to see. We see that there is a man and his name is Terah and he has three sons The scripture then records that out of those three sons, one of those sons has a child named Lot. And this this family has, at some point, the the scripture records a tragedy. Because the the truth of the matter is, is that a father should never bury his son. But in this small scripture, we see that Haran, which is the youngest, as it's presented in order, the youngest son passes away. And it's safe to assume that Haran died of a premature reason, that there was something that was wrong Perhaps there was an accident. It was an accidental death, maybe a farming accident. Maybe he was ill and sick. But we definitely know that Terah, the father, buries his son. So let's pick up in verse 31. Now, Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, his daughter-in-law Sarah the wife of Abram and together they set out from Ur the Chaldeans to go to Canaan now for those of us that are familiar with scripture that should ring a bell that should fire something off because Abraham is often credited leaving Ur and Going to Canaan, but we see that his father is at this point, his father is leaving Ur and going to Canaan. It's it's safe at this point to assume that his father, this guy Terah, has received the call that so many times we have ascribed to Abraham because Abraham is accredited with leaving ur and moving to Canaan but we see here that father terah has indeed set out with his his basically his family to leave this place of their birth the place of their uh, Their family had established and to go to this place called Canaan. But the scripture records this very tragic detail. But when they came to Haran, which is a a city, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Now, let me walk back through that with you. Terah. has a tragedy in his life. He experiences the loss of a son. In the wake of burying his own son, he makes a decision to take his family and move from Ur, which that has to be an odd place to live. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine writing Ur on your cards when you're sending them out? Um, So he leaves his hometown Ur to go to Canaan, but he stops In a city that is named after his son, Haran. You see, by God's providence, for him to get to where God had called him, he had to go through a place that was going to force him to deal with what had happened. And he stopped. And it's unfortunate that for many of us, in between where God calls us and the destination that he has pointed to us along the journey, God's design is that through that journey, he would be able to address things that are in our lives to force us to lay baggage down. But in the middle of that process, it's all too easy to just stop. So today let's look at. What relational baggage. Does. What relational baggage does to us. Alright. How the damage of a wounded heart, what it can do to us when in the context of a relationship I have been wounded and my heart has been hurt. Let's look at what that does to us. Number one, the first thing and I want you to see this in the story that we just looked at is that it keeps us from our potential. It keeps us from our potential. Psalm 73, 21 through 22, it says this, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. How about that? When I I was hurt, I was ignorant. You see, when something happens that damages our heart, it keeps us from going where God has us to where God wants us to go. Here's something that I want you to see in that. That's important to identify. And it's that relational baggage, all right? This stuff that happens that tries to derail us, right? Actually, let's make it broader than that. Any thing that comes at us is not really an attempt to hurt you, but it's an attempt to derail your purpose. Everything, every attack from the enemy, every baggage that we carry, all of that is simply an attack to derail the purpose that God has in our lives. And most of the time, we get confused about that because we think this is all about that person. That person wounded me and, and I'm very bitter about that. Or it's about my marriage. My marriage just isn't working out. Maybe it's a, a divorce and and... Unfortunately, I have defined myself more by that divorce and the failure that happened there than I have by anything else in my life. You see, it's not about that. Because every attack that we go through... Every baggage that tends to cling to us and that we hang on. It is really an attempt to derail our purpose in life. The second thing that relational baggage does to us is that it pollutes our other relationships. It pollutes our other relationships. You see, when we're wounded, somehow it doesn't just affect us, it begins to affect us and other people that are around us. You've heard this probably before, but hurt people hurt people. I used to wonder when I was in school, I had this friend, and we would come into class and be like, Hey man, how you doing? And I'm just I'm going through something. Really? Again. <laughs> Like, you got another one of them things going on, right? Like, and it was that way all the time. And I, after a while, I learned, I mean, that's just him. That's how he does it. But relationships, all right, when we have relational baggage, it, it does pollute our other relationships. Look at this, Hebrews twelve fifteen. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in time. When when our hearts are wounded, it's really easy to let the, the wound that exists in that relationship begin to spread and to pour over. And we all do that. I mean, think about it. You have a really tense day at work. One of those days where people expect more out of you, baby, than they should have. Or maybe you've made a mistake and you're dealing with the consequences of that mistake. And then you come home. And you come home to people who love you and care for you no matter what. But you're already, you're already stressed out. You're already a little. It's right. And so when you come home. what happens? That tension begins to spill out. So your wife says something and you snap at her and your kids do something that you don't want and you blow up at them because the baggage that we're carrying begins to affect other relationships. This is in your notes. Relational baggage. It makes us defensive. That we get to a point where we're always right and nobody else is wrong because I've been wrong and I don't want to be wrong anymore and I've been right when other people were wrong and I don't want that to happen to me again and so I'm constantly on the defense. I'm constantly trying to protect myself. The second thing is that it makes us distant. For some of us, Relational baggage looks like this. I was wounded because I let somebody get too close to me. So I'm not going to let anybody get that close to me anymore. You can stay right there. There's a lot of stuff in my life that's off limits. We're not going to talk about that. Some, some of us, some of us guys do this by saying, it's over with, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, I'm done, right? And there's a problem, and we just walked away from it. That relational baggage makes us distant, relational baggage makes us demanding, that's the third. That somehow, in a weird way, some of us go the opposite extreme, That instead of growing distance, we feel like instead of just pushing people away, well, last time I wasn't as involved as I should have been. And so if I can get involved in this situation, if I can control and manipulate, if I can demand the right thing out of this scenario, that somehow through God we can get free from that because when we get demanding we start becoming Jesus in the relationship and we don't release people to be obedient to God our our priority instead actually becomes that they be obedient to us and the last thing is that it destroys our relationship with other people I'm going to tell you something and it's probably the most important thing that I'll even say today. That it is a really common perception in the world that we live in right now to think that I can have a phenomenal relationship with God and crappy relationships with other people. And that is not true. That... These things, the vertical relationship with God and the relationship with other people, those two things are intricately connected. Let's look at a verse out of Mark, Mark 11. This is Jesus speaking and teaching on prayer. And when you stand praying, Mark eleven twenty five. 25, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your heavenly Father may forgive you your sins. And when you stand praying, in most translations, it actually has the word first. First. Address this issue first before you start addressing the other thing. In other words, if you've got something that you are holding against somebody else, Jesus is teaching and saying, don't, don't pray. Take care of that thing first. Let's, let's get that relationship worked out. Then come back and pray to God. You see, these things are intricately connected. The way that we relate and treat other people is intricately connected to our relationship with God. So much so that even when Jesus was questioned about what is the greatest commandment, he didn't say, well, I'll give you one. He said, I'll give you two. Love God, love people. Those two things in the heart of Jesus as he expressed the gospel to us are intricately connected. I like to say it this way, that we've got to get the horizontal right before we can get the vertical right. Uh, Let's just get even more practical. Most of us grew up in, in circles praying what may very well be the most dangerous prayer that you could ever even pray we call it the Lord's prayer right we pray it on ball fields right we've played we've prayed it in 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 circles around flag posts but we've prayed that prayer a bunch and it's probably in many ways one of the most difficult and dangerous prayers so let's look at this out of Matthew 6 verse 12 And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive other people. Do you remember that? You ever thought about that when you're praying that before? That means we're asking God, God, would you be as gracious to me as I am to other people? That's dangerous. All right. I mean, that's a, I mean, so God, that person that got on my nerves, I was behind because I was late to work and they were going about five miles an hour under the speed limit. Would you treat me just like that? Would you do that for me, God? Or my neighbor who has that horrendously ugly satellite dish mounted on the side of their car. God, would you you please treat me the same way that I talk about them when they're not there? You realize that? I mean, this prayer that we've prayed our entire life is an invitation to say, hey, let's make the horizontal exactly like the vertical. So last week, when we started talking about this, I gave you this this statement that if the problem is a lie, the answer is the truth. If the problem is a lie, the answer is the truth. And for most of us, the baggage that we've carried, emotional, relational baggage... Is all built on a lie. We looked in 1 Corinthians 10 where the Bible literally calls it a stronghold. That it's a stronghold. It's something that has a stronghold on us. Something that we have a strong grip on as well. And that word, the the meaning and context of that word is that we're trapped in something that's entirely built on deception. And so if the problem is a lie, the answer is the truth. And last week we began saying, all right, here is the truth. And as we go through this series, we're going to take a a look at what baggage is, but then to to come back and say, here's the truth. This is the truth. And, And out of all the weeks... The stuff that I'm going to tell you today is the stuff that is the most difficult. It's the stuff that most of us know I'm hurting and and this is a a difficult thing for me to walk through. But I'm I'm not even sure I want to do that. As a matter of fact, dealing with someone, a, a couple not too long ago, I had a wife look directly at me and say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take that step, and I. Really, <laughs> you know, because normally people are at least nice enough to like nod. And, yeah, all right. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but I'm. Gonna, and I looked at her like, really, you're going to not do that? So you're you're honestly going to make a conscious decision to stand outside of God's plan for how to be uh, redeemed? And and yep, yep, can't do it. So today, I just want you to know as we go through this, I mean, this is difficult stuff because relational, emotional baggage is not easy. I told you up front that this is probably the most serious, uh, difficult thing. And the reason is, is that it is so easy for our hearts to get wounded and for many of us, the relational, emotional baggage that we've carried through life has been significant. So let's go with the first one. Reveal the hurt. The first step in addressing emotional baggage is to reveal the hurt. This is why at our church we've placed such a high priority in just saying, you need to know that people need to be around you. You need relationships. It's why we've invested ourselves in small groups so that you can be in a place that's safe to say, this is what happened to me and this is why it hurt. Some of us have been carrying things that hurt us for far too long. There's this scene in *Tawadega Nights. Yes, I just went there. There's this scene in *Tawadega Nights where they're in, in a bar. And, uh, and, and, and the number two driver, so Ricky, Ricky Bobby's best friend, says to him, he's the guy who always helped him win, right? He was the one that he would get a slingshot off. He said, man, wouldn't it be awesome if, you know, like one time, one time you you let me win the race. And he's like, Man, that's a bad idea. <laughs> you take that idea and bury it deep down and never let it back up. <laughs> and Cal Norton's like, Okay, okay, all right. all right. That's what many of us have done with our emotional and and relational baggage. We've we've buried it down deep. Because Maybe, maybe it's significant and you feel like you were a part of the problem. Maybe you feel like if you shared that, that nobody would respect you. Maybe you feel like if I'm this vulnerable, I don't know how anybody is going to deal with me or think with, about me after I share this. But the first step The first step in dealing with emotional and relational baggage is to confess. Is to share the hurt. Look at this this verse out of Psalm 32. Psalm 32, 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day. And this verse out of Psalm 39. So I remained Utterly silent. Not even saying anything good. But my anguish increased. For those of you who this is your testimony at this point. That I have a wound that happened to me. But I kept silent. That will become your testimony. That my anguish will increase. I kept silent and my anguish increased. That's why we want to direct you to be around people who love you and care for you. People that you can say, this is what I'm walking through. This is what happened. The second thing that you need to do is that you need to release the people involved. You need to release the people involved. And that's where, in dealing with that couple not too long ago, the wife said, no, I can't do that. I can't. I, I cannot. I cannot say you're forgiven. I just can't. And I said, really? Because Carrying carrying a wound a wound against somebody else a, a hurt that needs to be forgiven it, this is a, a phenomenal way to think about it it's like it's like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt the other person so I'm going to carry this unforgiveness this bitterness this wound this baggage but I'm going to expect it to kind of Influence this person because I'm not willing to forgive them. Look at this verse out of the Gospel of Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. (coughs) Now, Peter is to some degree. At this moment, just to bring you up to speed, not really trying to test Jesus, but he's trying to see where does Jesus fall? Because in the context of his day, there was a rule that had been kind of employed when it came to how we forgive each other, and the number was three, right? I'll forgive you once. I'll forgive you twice, or I'll forgive you a third time. But on the third strike, you're out, and I'm done with you. And and Peter is to some degree kind of doubling the standard, adding one for good measure, right? And Jesus takes it on. Jesus answered, "I tell you, not." Seven times, but 77 times, he actually says seven times seven, right? He keeps, like there's an exponential explosion of the times that we should be forgiving each other, right? But somehow when people wound us, When we're when we're hurt and when brokenness kind of comes into a relationship, it's really easy for us to sit back and go, You know what? I'm done. I'm done. You I can't believe you did that. I'm done with you. Let's look again. One more verse out of Peter. First Peter two. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You see, Jesus is our model. He's the one that we want to be like. And even in the moment, that very tense moment, when he was being insulted and berated and destroyed, he did not respond with judgment. To the point that even the thief hanging on the cross right next to him responded to him in kindness and asked for redemption. And Jesus in that moment is gracious enough To welcome him into paradise. You see many of us. Like the amount of wound that we're willing to take from someone is really small. But Jesus has shown us even especially in our relationship with him. That grace and freedom and forgiveness is a powerful thing that we need to be willing to anchor ourselves to. And so the second thing that we need to be willing to do is to forgive them. And I know that when you're wounded and you're hurt, when brokenness has entered into your life out of an emotional wound, when you're carrying that baggage, those two things are the most difficult things to do. To talk about it openly and to release the person that has hurt you. But that baggage, that baggage has something that it is doing to your life. And earlier I told you that when baggage enters into our lives, it is really an attempt to derail us from the purpose that God intended us for. So the last thing. This is one of those things that I'm excited that we can do in the middle of that is to refocus on God's plan for our life. Not sure if you're familiar with the story of Joseph. Joseph was a young man who was born to his father Jacob. He was loved uh, very much by his father But his brothers were very jealous of him and they sold him into slavery. And years later, Joseph, after many, many events, has now risen to be second in command in Egypt. And his brothers have returned. And here's how he deals with them in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Think about this with me. In that moment, he had the power to destroy his brothers that had set out to destroy him. And he said, no, this is God's plan. God meant what you did for harm, God meant it for good. And those things that have happened in our life, those things that were meant to harm us, God intends to use those for our good. As we get ready to close, I want to look at a passage of Scripture (coughs) out of the book of Job. Job was a man who was... Put through the ringer. And in the middle of that tension, in the middle of that circumstance, he says this, and I want us to read through this passage of Scripture as we get ready to close together. Would you read this with me? Put your heart right, Job. Reach out to God. Put away every evil and wrong from your home. And then face the world again. Firm. and courage. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory. Like floods that are past. And remembered. No more. Put your heart right. And reach out to God. Let's pray. God today as we. Pause. And Think about the things that are going on. Everyone in here, I just want to ask God that right now that we would take a moment and check where we are. That we would be honest about where this baggage has driven us to. If we're carrying emotional and relational wounds. And if we are right now, could we just follow this word to still our hearts and to reach out? Because God, when we reach to you, just like a loving father, you're going to receive us. You're going to call us. And you're going to cause us to be healed and to be free and to travel this journey a little bit lighter than we were before. So God, cause us to do that. Cause us to reach out to you. now with nobody looking around I, I really want to take some time and i know uh, we are uh, just a tad bit late today on our schedule but i don't want to rush past this moment cuz i believe that through god's mercy and forgiveness that he wants to come and do something that is very powerful in our lives and maybe today you're that person that you know you're carrying a wound to your heart. And that you've been carrying that emotional, relational baggage. If that's you today. And you know that All you need to do is to still yourself and to reach out to God. That's all. That's all we got to do to take that first step in dealing with this, to reach out to him. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? If you're here and you say, I just want to be free from that. I see those hands. Anybody else? Is there anybody else that would say today, I just want to be free of that? Good. Well, God, those of us that have responded to you and said yes, God, we're just reaching out to you like you invited Job to do. And so, God, we just want to take a moment and, and reach to you and ask you to come. God, would you come and set us free? God, we want to be able to walk out of here and do those things that we've talked about. To be able to talk about the wound and to be able to release those people. But we can't do that without your work in us. And so we're just reaching out to you, God, and trusting you. So thank you, God, for the work that you've done in our lives. Thank you, God, for freeing hearts in this room this morning from pain and difficulty. Thank you, God, for tears that represent healing that's happening right now. Because we love you and we want to do this journey the way that you've called us to name of Jesus we pray. Amen.